We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 this morning. If you've got a Bible with you and want to turn there, that might really help you. Um, but it will appear on these very snazzy new screens. Um, yeah, absolutely. Someone's excited. What I've been asked to talk about this morning is why we fast. Um, or at least to sort of seed your imagination with why we fast. So when you're thinking about October and what you might do, you might understand why we might do this. Um, if you're anything like me, if maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, you're probably aware that the Bible talks a little, at least, about this practice of fasting, and that it seems to be a good thing. And it's clearly not something that we have to do. It's not a command, but it seems to be a good thing. But again, if you're anything like me, you're perhaps not so sure why we do it, other than that it seems to say it's a good thing. So fine, we, we follow it. Um, and... If you're not, if you don't follow Jesus, I've had sort of friends and colleagues before who maybe I've been fasting, they've noticed that I'm not eating lunch in a couple of days um, around work, and they've sort of asked what's going on. So we've talked about it a little bit, uh, because it would be weird to not, I guess. Um, And they're always quite confused. And the thing that struck me is they're not confused by the fact I'm doing it, particularly, say, when we've also got Muslim colleagues or some of my Muslim friends, they find the idea that we fast really normal because it's a kind of it's a natural religious practice for them. But what everyone seems to find weird is when I tell them that I don't have to because they understand the idea that maybe there are kind of religious things you have to do. And if, hey, the religion says you have to do it, fine. doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but I guess you do it. But we don't have to. It's not a command. And it then seems to really confuse people who don't know Jesus, or why we do it. Maybe if you're here and you don't know Jesus equally, the idea that we would deliberately give up eating for, say, three days in order to pray, but we don't have to, sounds strange. So why? Why do we do it? Well, let's, we're going to have a look in Matthew 9, which perhaps along with Isaiah 58 is probably the most uh, important passage in the Bible on fasting. We're going to read just two verses, 14 and 15. So uh, the he here is Jesus, and it's a, this is the time of a Jewish festival. Uh, so lots of people would be fasting, be a very normal thing to do. Um, and Jesus has just uh, met his new friend Matthew, who wrote this, and had a really big party with him and some of his friends. And so immediately afterwards, um, it says, Then the disciples of John, so this is Jesus' cousin, the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we, and the Pharisees, who are kind of very religious people, why do they fast? But your disciples do not fast. So it's everyone who's religious right now is fasting. We're fasting. The very religious people are fasting. But you're having a party. What's going on, Jesus? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So Jesus says... If you, were, if you were at a wedding with a bridegroom, would you fast? I was at a wedding last weekend. Um, it's a very nice wedding. I imagine that if, so we're at the reception, um, sat down around the table, it was the kind of thing where you, uh, your table gets called and you kind of go up and you get given a plate of food and you go sit down again. Um, I would imagine if at the point that we'd gone up and taken our plate of food, if I'd gone up with everyone else on the table and then very piously said to the people serving the food, oh, no, thank you, I'm fasting, I'd have gotten quite an odd look. Um, Because it would be weird. Uh, 
if, actually, if when the bride and groom would come around, you know, like they do, and they're saying hello later on in the morning, uh, in the afternoon, um, and they said, oh, are you enjoying it? I'd said, well, yeah, it looks lovely, but I've not eaten anything or drunk anything because, you know, I'm fasting. Their natural thought would be, well, why on earth have you come? We're paying for this. It would be quite rude, I guess. It would be quite rude. You're there to celebrate them. And it would be weird to say, you know what, I'm going to deliberately abstain from all these lovely things you've put out for us um, because I want to. Jesus is saying, he's calling himself the bridegroom. Can we just flip to verse 15? That might be helpful. Um, He's calling himself the bridegroom. He's saying, can the wedding guests mourn, so essentially fast, as long as the bridegroom is with them? He's saying, when I'm around, it would be weird for you to fast. But there's a time coming when I'll be, I'll be gone away, and then you'll fast. Which is an interesting response. Jesus had not long before this fasted for 40 days and gone for 40 days without food. A good response, if it were me, to the disciples of John, would have been when they say, well, why are you not fasting? Would have been, I fast way better than you do. <laughs> but that's not what he says. He says, now's not the time to fast. They'll fast in the future. So, what's different about the time when he's not there? Because that's what he says. He says, don't fast now, fast when I'm not here. There's something different about the time when he's not there. Hold that thought for a moment. So, I've been asked to speak on fasting. I've spent the summer sort of trying to think about that and prep for it, had a little go. Jesus said, why don't you do a bit longer than you have before? Failed miserably. Um, (laughs) There's grace for us. Um, It... And I've sort of looked through the Bible and tried to come up with as many reasons as I can that the Bible says we should fast. I have written a list that I doubt is exhausted of 51 different reasons that the Bible says we should fast, which is quite a lot. And I've, then, I've tried to summarize them in one neat little sentence for us. So here's what I've actually figured out. Fasting makes you hungry. Yeah, it's profound, isn't it? <laughs> Fasting makes you hungry. That is my, uh, that's my bottom line today. That's our big point. Fasting makes you hungry. <laughs> well, why is that relevant? So what's different about the time when he's not there, when Jesus isn't there? So he says, don't fast when I'm here, fast when I'm not here. What's different about when he's not there? Well, he's not there. Fasting is about waiting and longing and hoping and aching. It's about looking forward to something else. Have you ever wanted something that you couldn't have? So think about, think about something trite to start with. Think about you really want a biscuit and the tin's empty, or someone else has just eaten that last one in the packet. How do you feel? There's a sort of sense of, of longing and hunger builds. And actually, if you examine that longing, you could probably describe it as hunger. And then think about something more, more serious. All of us will have things that we want or have wanted that we can't have or can't make happen. And what does it feel like, that sense of kind of longing for something that you can't get or you can't make happen? It's hunger. It's how you feel. You feel hungry for whatever that might be. Because hunger is the sense of, I am longing for something that I want. I am uh, desiring something that is, that is in front of me. Fasting makes you hungry. Fasting is about being hungry for Jesus. So the reason we fast when he's not there is because he's not there. 
It's about being far, it's about being hungry for him. It's about looking forward to a time in the future when we get to be with him fully and get to feast. It's actually the kind of language that the Bible used to describe the time that Jesus comes back, like a feast. So we're hungry to make us yearn for that. I um, used to have a colleague called Sue who was into fad diets. She was always on some sort of diet. She probably wouldn't own that. I doubt she'd call them fad diets. But anyway, she was always into some sort of diet or other. I remember a time when she actually did really well at one. She chose to give up sugar um, completely and managed to do it for months on end. And it seemed to be much healthier for it, lost lots of weight, looked much, you know, looked much healthier, all the rest of it, seemed to have way more energy. But it was, had to be quite deliberate to cut sugar entirely out of her diet because she really meant absolutely none of it. The thing that I found most interesting was, sort of two months later, she came in one day and said, oh, I had a donut yesterday. It was disgusting. Because having gone without sugar for a, a couple of months, I can't really remember exactly how long, her taste buds had rewired. And anything with sugar in it tasted far too sweet to her. Admittedly, she could taste things like the natural sweetness in a carrot and was much more able to just enjoy normal food than perhaps the rest of us. But the, anything with sugar in it, suddenly, disgusting, far too sweet. Our hearts are a little bit like that. Because what she found was, when she stopped eating sugar, she stopped liking it. And she found that the more we eat something, the more we like it. I think our hearts are a lot like that. The more we fill them with something, the more we like it. And the more we don't have something, the more we don't want it. We find that we actually we hunger for what we eat. Which is... Interesting. Jesus, um, Jesus describes himself once in John chapter 6 as the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He said that what he does for people is completely satisfy. In fact, we were singing it earlier. You, you know, your love satisfies my soul. He is the one who truly satisfies. He's the one, that kind of, that ache that you have inside that most of the time we cover over with all sorts of things of there's something that I need that I haven't got that we try to fill with all kinds of things, normally just normal life. And we might identify that ache as lots of different things that we're longing for, but what it is is it's a sign that to be human is to thirst for Jesus. To be human is to, to hunger for Jesus. He's the only one who makes us feel full. The only one who makes us feel like we are, we are satisfied. He's the bread of life. That's an interesting choice of, of phrase because I, I guess bread is, at least in his society, the most staple food there is. Now, they don't really have any other carbs. They wouldn't have had pasta or rice or I can't think of any other carbs. Other carbs. Um, there must be other carbs. Um, but bread would have been the basic thing of, of what, they, what they ate. It would have been the kind of basis of every meal. Everyone would be able to have bread. Bread is what you eat, not necessarily because it's really nice, but you eat it because it keeps you alive. Except a really nicely baked loaf of bread is, is delicious. But he's the bread of life. So not... It's not like he's the fine delicacy of life. He's not saying, oh, you, so you get what you need, and then you add me on top, and I taste really good. 
He's saying, I am what you need basically to survive. I am the basic thing that your soul needs to satisfy itself, to mean that you are able to keep on living. In fact, to bring life in the first place, we need Jesus. He's the one who satisfies that, that sense of longing. We need to, to feast on him. It sounds like strange language. We need to feast on him. So if he's the one who satisfies us, well, he's the one that we need to eat, then he's probably the one that we need to be hungry for. And fasting is one of the ways that we make ourselves hungry. Here's a question for you. What do we hunger for? What do we truly hunger for? There'll be lots of different answers to that. Every person will have multiple things that we hunger for. Answering it with one thing is probably not that easy. But what do we hunger for? John Piper says, what we hunger for most, we worship. I think it's really, there's something in that. What we hunger for most, we worship. Now, naturally, you look at that and you think, no, I don't. What I'm hungry for, I'm hungry for. I don't worship it. But think about it like this. If I'm, if I'm truly hungry and I want to eat something, then I, perhaps you've been fasting for a few days. So around about day three, four of fasting is the point that I get so totally obsessed with food. All I can do is, is, uh, is Google restaurants um, and look at menus um, and sort of plan what we might eat at the weekend. Um, or fantasize about that first thing that we eat, say we're stopping on a like, like those three days of um, prayer and fasting. So I imagine me and Helen will probably fast or try to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, we'll break bread here together. That'll be the first thing you eat Tuesday, Thursday evening. And then probably we'll go get something on the way home because you can. Um, so we'll go to somewhere. We'll probably stop at Papa John's in Beeston or KFC or something and get something horrible and then eat it and it'll taste amazing. Um, it, but I'll have been thinking about that all day. What are we going to get? What do they sell? What do I want? And they will have been texting each other going, what do you fancy tonight? Um, it's, what I'm doing is I'm spending all my time thinking about something. And then I'm thinking about how that's going to make me feel. It's going to satisfy me. It's going to make me feel really good. Oh, I look forward to seeing it so much. That piece of pizza. It'll be, it'll be wonderful. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but that is the thought process, even though I wouldn't articulate it out loud, because if I did, I might realize how stupid I'm being. But that is what's going on. That's worship. To think, to spend my whole day thinking about something and how much I want it, that's worship. Might not be the only way we can worship, but it's worship. So what I'm doing is I'm worshiping pizza. I am. It's, yeah, it is. It's stupid when I say it out loud, and it helps me to say it out loud and realize that that doesn't really work very well. But that's what I'm doing. What I hunger for most, I worship. So I need to hunger for Jesus most, because I know that Jesus is the only one who's actually worth me worshiping him. But fasting makes you hungry. What we do is we choose to make our bodies feel hungry in order to help our hearts. Remember that actually food is not what we need. We need something more than that. We kind of fight for a higher hunger, if you like. We are deliberately saying, actually, most of the time I worship my stomach, Jesus, and I don't want to. I want to work, which I do. I worship my stomach. Probably most of us do. In the West, we have plenty of food to go around, most of us. And therefore, what we do is we worship our stomachs. We eat far more than we need because um, your body can go without food for weeks. I'm not saying it's fun um, or that you have a lot of energy doing it, but it can. We eat way more than we actually need to survive. 
The answer to that isn't eat less, it's realize that what we do is worship our stomachs. When we fill ourselves with the wrong things, or even just other things, we hunger for them, and then we end up worshiping them. So we, should, we all need to ask ourselves, what are we filling ourselves with? And that might be things that are directly contrary to what Jesus tells us we should be doing. It might just be things that are good, but not Jesus. What are we filling ourselves with? Because what we eat will be what we hunger, like the sugar. You eat loads of sugar, you want loads of sugar. You don't eat any sugar, you don't want any sugar. You eat loads of something, you'll hunger for it. What you hunger for most, you worship. So it's, it's a natural line. What we put in ends up being what we dream about. So if I eat loads of Jesus, I'll hunger for loads of Jesus, and I'll worship Jesus. Wonderful. I eat loads of something else, the same thing will happen. So what if you're not hungry for God? What if you're not? What if that's not how you characterize yourself? I'm not hungry for God. Well, often that's because we're stuffed full of other things. It's a bit like, um, I'm sure lots of us would have been in that situation where you're at a restaurant, you've had, you've had your main meal. It was good. It's quite a lot of it. Feeling quite full. Um, waiter or waitress comes around and says, do you want the dessert menu? And you all sort of look at each other and you're thinking, who's going to say yes? Don't want it to be me, but someone needs to. Um, and then uh, someone does. And you get the dessert menu and you look at it and you think, this all sounds lovely, but I'm actually stuffed. And when they come around and, when they come around and ask, um, ask what you want, you say something along the lines of, no, I'm okay, thank you, I don't want nothing. Well, that's not true. Who doesn't want pudding? Of course you want something. I mean, you, you look at this, there will, well, I suppose it depends where you've gone, I guess, but you probably look at this, I bet there's something on there that you want, but you haven't got room for it. You're full, take that away, too fast. <laughs> Don't worry, it's all right. Um, you haven't got room for it. You're, you're all full up. It's, it's the same with, with Jesus, actually. If you're full up with the stuff, you can't be hungry for him. Our hunger goes when we fill ourselves. Um, there is a deep danger in ham sandwiches, which sounds silly. Um, I love a good ham sandwich. Now that you might need to replace ham sandwich with something you actually like there. But I love a good ham sandwich. I mean, it's just, it's there, it's there, there are obviously things that are better. But in terms of staple food that you can eat every single day, I don't know if you can really top that. It's pretty good. Simple, delicious, makes you feel very happy. I, there is a danger in things like ham sandwiches, in that actually, that satisfies me. Good things in my life, there is nothing wrong with a ham sandwich. It is a gift of the grace of God that I get to enjoy it. It is blood-bought gift. It comes through the cross that I get to apprehend all good things in this world. So a ham sandwich, gift of, the, gift of Jesus to me from the cross, wonderful. That's just, it's good theology, that's what we call common grace. But anyway, um, it's, it's a good thing. But yet, it's not an ultimate thing. It's not Jesus. And good things, very easy for me to fill myself with them, enjoy them, and then not find I'm hungry for God. What fasting does is it helps me remember that the good things I fill myself with are not Jesus. They're good things. They are gifts from him. 
I should enjoy them. But they're not him. And it's helpful to remember <laughs> that he is the only one who's, who's him. We are... You need to think about what you're eating because that's what you're worshipping. We are supposed to be homesick for God. We're supposed to be, um, like Jesus is talking about, uh, Matthew, Matthew 14, where we were. He says, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. We're supposed to long for him. We're currently in that period when he's taken away. It's the time in between him uh, ascending to heaven after he rose from the dead and coming back again. That's where we live. We're in that time between. We're supposed to be hungry for him. We're supposed to be homesick for the day that he comes back and wraps up history and delivers it to his father. We're supposed to be longing for him to return. You know, there's words the Bible ends on, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That is meant to be the way that we feel. Whatever desires we might have for the future, we are supposed to feel like, actually, Jesus coming back would be significantly better than anything that could, else that could happen to me, or I hope it happens soon. Now, I don't feel like that most of the time, but what fasting does is it helps me realize that I don't feel like that most of the time and deliberately choose to want Jesus more. So when do we fast? Well, when he's not there, which is now. Uh, the, the Bible is full of different occasions people fast. In the New Testament, it's mostly to appoint leaders, actually. Um, but in all of them, in some sense, it's, it's to move God. It's always tied up with praying like we're going to, to kind of, when we're asking God for things. But it's not, it's not like a, a thing that God likes. It's not like we kind of twist his arm by fasting. The reason that fasting works in the sense of seems to be tied up with praying, and people often fast and pray, and then God gives them what they're asking for. The reason that works is because what God loves above all things is a heart that says, I want you before anything else. And when we choose to fast, what we're trying to do is say, I want you before anything else. Actually, I don't want, I do want these things I'm asking for, but I don't want them ultimately. What I want is you. And then I will be satisfied. Oh, and by the way, this stuff would be great. And the kind of heart that Jesus responds to is the heart that genuinely feels like you can't work this stuff up. You can't say, oh, I choose to. I choose to. Well, you can actually, but you know what I mean. You can't, um, you can't fake it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You, you can't sort of say, oh, yes, Jesus, I choose to want you more. Because he can read your heart. You have to actually want him more. But fasting helps us do that. He responds to people who make themselves hungry. And so it's, it's worth thinking about when, when fasting doesn't work. When does fasting not work? When it makes you full. Which you had a little snippet of earlier. There you go. When does fasting not work? When it makes you full. I think there's two ways fasting doesn't work. Either you do what I do earlier and you actually, it shows you how obsessed you are with food, but you don't manage to move beyond that to going, <laughs> yeah, I am. Right, okay, let's put that aside. Jesus, I want you. Um, or when it makes you full of yourself. There's a huge danger in doing this kind of thing of pride um, where essentially where you manage to go without food for several days because of your iron will, which actually all of us can do. You might think, oh my God, I couldn't do that. You could if you trained yourself. All of us are perfectly, the human body can go without food for quite a long time, weeks. Um, I can't. That's a psychological thing. That's not a physical thing. So I could train myself to. Wouldn't do me any good. 
because Jesus isn't interested in people that can sort of will themselves to give up stuff. He's interested in people that go, I need you. So he's interested in hearts that say, I can't do this, help me. I don't know if you've ever had that, <laughs> if, well, if you've tried fasting, I bet you have actually, that sort of internal thing where you think, all right, this is actually really hard. It's day four, I'm struggling. I really wish, maybe I just will give up, but I really wish I could give up. But I said I was going to do five days. So we'll get ourselves there somehow. But at least when you kind of walk into a room with some other Christians, you sort of look around and you think, but I'm fasting. Stay four. I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right, actually. I bet they could learn a thing or two from me. Or not, not, not them. Though. I mean, there are some people in this church who fast seriously. Um, it wouldn't do them any good if I pointed them out. It would ruin their wonderful humility. But uh, there are people who sort of fast for years, or so it feels, <laughs> feels to me. I've, I've managed, oh, I think I've done six days. I think that's the most I've ever done. But um, I shouldn't have said that, because it's not helpful to me, because it does this. Anyway, <laughs> um, I won't say that at the next one. Um, but that sort of internal thing where you're thinking, you know what, actually, I'm doing all right kills it. Fasting avails you nothing. Because it's no good. Jesus isn't interested in hearts that are full of themselves. He wants hearts full of him. He wants hearts that are hungry for him. Fasting works when you go, oh my word, I can't do this. Help me. And then 10 minutes later you think, no, I still can't do this. Still help me. And then you find that you've gone 40 days or whatever and you're delighted with Jesus at the end of it. Now, of course, all of us will go through that kind of that loop. You go from pride to humility and back again all the time, but that's what Jesus is looking for. Or even, actually, I do this a lot, um, particularly with friends. Say someone knows that I'm fasting. Um, we don't tend to shout about it. Jesus encouraged us not to. Uh, I don't think he meant you don't have to tell anyone, but he meant sort of, you know, don't be proud about it, don't make a fuss of it. But I do that thing when people know that I'm fasting, I then moan about how tired I am. It's ridiculous. That's pride, actually, because what I'm doing is I'm sort of very, sub, sort of in very kind of backhanded Christian way that makes me look humble, talking about the fact that look at me, I'm fasting. So I'm knackered. Oh, my word, it's day four. It's really hard, you know. They don't care. <laughs> Either they're doing it as well, um, in which case they're doing much better than me because they're not moaning about how difficult it is, or actually, it, it doesn't. I don't need to complain about it. The point is that I'm choosing to discipline myself and do something that's hard to focus on Jesus. Fasting doesn't work when you're full. Okay, so we are in October. We're going to have three days of prayer and fasting. I would encourage you to plan. Um, Helen and I have done that thing before where you get there and you think, oh my word, it's fasting this week, we've just filled the fridge, which is not, it's not helpful. I mean, you can choose to, you can still choose to fast, but you just made it hard for yourself. So plan. <laughs> Be aware of the fact that, you know, you're choosing to not eat for three of those, or however long you're choosing to do. Don't get hung up on the after do three days. I'd encourage you to try maybe more than you've done before. Maybe that's miss a meal. Whatever it is, plan what you're going to do Consider it carefully, consider it with Jesus, and then do it. In fact, I, uh, I imagine at some point in the next couple of weeks you'll have opportunity in home groups to talk about this kind of thing. Um, that'll be really helpful. Kind of discussing in community what you might do is helpful. Or just telling stories about 
how you've messed up in the past helps people because it removes the thing that makes this sound really hard and it makes people realize it's okay to have a go and it really doesn't matter if I mess up. So to, uh, to finish on this, how do I hunger for God? Two ways. We eat and we stop eating. Simple. How do you hunger for God? You eat and you stop eating. We stop eating as in we choose to fast or we choose to put something aside that isn't helping us. We eat as in we choose to fill ourselves with Jesus. How do we do that? Well, we feast on Jesus by the Spirit when we encounter him in worship and when we contribute and hear other people's contributions. We feast on Jesus in the Spirit when we hear the word preached. And we feast on Jesus in the Spirit when we do this thing that's half set up at the sides, when we eat bread and we drink wine, that's grape juice, um, and it is a sign and a symbol that he gave us that allows us to feast on him by the Spirit. It is something that we do corporately that allows us to encounter him. So that's what we're going to do in a moment. Um, the band are going to come back, we'll sing a song, and then after that we're going to break bread together and feast on Jesus in order to, because those who eat more hunger more. And the more of him we eat, the more of him we'll want. Fasting is, is feasting, I guess. It's deliberately choosing to say, I want to eat him. I want to eat him. I've tasted something so good, I will give up everything to get it. So that's what we're going to do. The band are going to come back. We, um, we're going to worship him in song, but also in, in the bread and the wine. And that's how we're going to feast on Christ. We're going to look forward to the feast at the end of history, the wedding feast, in fact, of Jesus when he marries us as the church, as the kind of imagery that the Bible uses. Um, and long for that day. That's what we do when we eat bread, we drink grape juice, corporately together. We together, we long for the day when we're going to eat lots of really great stuff in the feast at the end of history and drink wine and be with him and know him fully. That is what we're for. That is what we're waiting for. That is what we're longing for. Shall we stand together? We're going to sing and worship him. Then in a moment.